Welcome to the Modern Woodworkers Association podcast, where our mission is to provide woodworking education for all levels and all types of woodworkers. To find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, visit us on the web at modernwoodworkersassociation.com or follow us on Twitter at NWA underscore national. Now to our host, Tom Iovino. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this, the 82nd edition of Modern Woodworkers Association online discussion about all things woodworking. Today's special guests are the 360 Woodworking Fellows, Glenn Huey and Chuck Bender. But before we get to them, let me introduce my partner in crime from sunny Long Island, New York, Diami Palaki. Diami, how you doing? I'm doing excellent, Tom. How are you? I'm, I'm, I'm hanging in there. We're, we're, we're doing things. Hey, you know what? Today is November 4th. And it, it was 92 degrees in Florida? It was about, I, I want to say it was in the high 60s here. It was crazy. It was nuts. It was it was 92 degrees. It was like the 4th of July instead of the 4th of November. It was crazy. Aren't you guys like 300 degrees the 4th of July? Usually about that. You can backstroke to the uh, to the mailbox. It's that humid too. Mm. But that's just, hey, that's Florida, you know? So, you know, that that's what we had going on. It's weather-wise. Okay, we can't do anything about the weather. So let's talk a little woodworking. Diami, what's going on in your shop? Well, the window seat is finally out of my shop. Get out of here. It is. Uh, yes, it is. It's, it's, it's delightful. I can, I can walk in the shop again. Um, once I get the scrap plywood off my table saw, I'll be able to cut things again. It is, it's fantastic. And naively optimistic about a week and I'm done with the paint on it in the customer's house and I can move on to bigger and better things. That is just, you know, something to aim for. I, I feel somehow there's much relief at the Plotky household. Oh my God. This is a project that I was emotionally done with in August. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, nothing quite like a project like that to really just take the wind right out of your sail. Yeah, Exactly. Well, Why a, did I get woodworking to begin with again? Yeah, it was it was something a, f- a friend wanted me to do, and it was a commission. And I was like, okay, no problem. And I was going to build it in August when we didn't have school, we didn't have sports. The kids, you know, we didn't have Cub Scouts. Evenings were free, weekends were free. It would have been easy. And then he had some issues. They had a tear up his floor, he had a plumbing problem, and I wasn't able to start it until like the second week in September. By which point, school and Scouts and sports had started. So instead of working on it most nights and weekends and getting it done in the span of about two weeks, I've been working on it, if I'm lucky, one day a week, and it's just taken forever. Right. But, well, but given, the, given the size of your shop, I mean, it's got to be like a, a relief to oh, get yeah. that and project out of there. My shop is under 10 feet wide, and the bench is 10 foot 4 inches long. So it was delightful to get it out of the shop. Yeah, I, I can imagine a bit as having stood in your shop. I can tell you that there's probably there's not enough room to, to to change your mind in there. So you know, to be able to you know be able to get a huge project like that out of there is a big deal. But so that's so, what's so what, out of my shop. What's in your shop? Tom? So, so in my shop, well, goodness, I haven't done anything in my shop. Um, actually, it's been it's been kind of busy. My uh, my wife is a teacher, and so she's been she's been tied up with this new class. She's been take uh, she's been instructing. It's an uh, advanced placement class, so they've been kind of kind of leaning on it pretty hard to get stuff done on it. So I've been picking up a lot of the slack around the house. Although last week I did go down to the St. Pete Woodcrafters Guild and give a quick talk about sharpening, which was well-received. So that was, that was cool. I managed to bring down my Tormek and some other, some other sharpening paraphernalia. 
Um, got an I- the whole idea, you know, spoke to Ron Hawk in advance, which was great because Ron kind of gives you the, the whole pep talk. You can do it, Tom. You can do it. Um, so I was able to cite, you know, some of the articles we had done together and it, it, it worked out really well. They, uh, they thought it was pretty informative. I made it up as I went. I'm sure you did. Which was, which is how I work. It's the best way to work. Um, it's, I'm not a, it's, it's how you work. I don't know if I'm going to agree. It's, with the it's my process. It's, it's the forget planning. It's just the process. It's how it goes. Um, the other thing um, that is coming up that um, I wrote about on my blog and I, and I want everybody to know about it because it's a real big deal. Um, it's, it's year three of the last minute elf. Um, now, if anybody's uh, been involved in the last minute elf in years past, what it is is I'm submitting. I'm, I'm asking people to send me uh, plans and projects that they have built last minute holiday gifts, um, whether it's you know simple turnings or scroll work or small boxes. Um, and then what we're going to do is my trained shop monkey Iggy will look at all the entries, and then we're going to have five winners um, based on the creativity, on the on how quick they can be built, how smartly they can be built, uh, you know things like that. And we're going to I'm working right now to try to line up some really good prizes um, for some folks. So if you're if you're a winner, we're looking to get some really decent prizes. Um, so once I get that all lined up, I'll be able to post that up on the uh, on the website as well. But it, it's a really cool event. You know, it's one of those things where people get very creative. Mm-hmm. I think a couple of years ago we had somebody who actually made um, uh, lightsabers. Yeah, so, I believe Lawrence yeah. and his uh, yeah, I'm, yeah Lawrence Roten and his son. So they made yeah, I'm blanking on his son's name. I, I'm sorry, but Adam. Uh, there you go. Adam Roden. So they, what they had built was lightsabers. Now, of course, with, you know, the, the, the new Star Wars movie coming out later this year, by golly, that's a, that's a great project right there. But, you know, we had all kinds of little clocks and, uh, you know, a, a desk uh, organizers and things like that. So the idea being that we're going to take a look, you know, if you submit the uh, if you submit those uh, projects to Iggy at Tom'sWorkbench.com. Um, what will happen is we'll be able to put those in and, you know, who knows, there's some really decent prizes coming along. So that's really kind of a cool event like to do every year that and get woodworking week, which happens in February are the two big events that I like to sponsor on my site and it gets people excited. It does. They're, they're, they're well worth it, especially the, uh, the elf. I think this time of year, especially it, it, it's nice to have these quick projects that you can go to and get done. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so Glenn and Chuck, what's on your benches? What, what's been going on in your world? <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. Yeah, no, I mean, we just uh, we just wrapped up issue number five. And uh, the way we set this whole thing up, and the last week is the week that we released two major projects. And uh, this week, uh, or last Friday, we released the project that I was building as a uh, Regency period bookcase. And the piece that Chuck was working on is um, the Eshrick music stand. Mm -hmm. So as a result, we found ourselves behind the eight ball and a little slower getting projects done than what we expected. (laughs) And uh, there were a couple late nights trying to get things put together. So we just wrapped those up. That's excellent. The music stand is is a fantastic project. Um, Well, thank you. And yeah, not not to not to diminish yours, Glenn, but. I, th- oh, no. I think that the the music, uh, the, the music stand is a de- is a departure <laughs> from what I think a lot of people see as a, as a style you guys do. Yeah, and I, I find that interesting too because you know we both live in that world and and would pick projects to do. But uh, one of the things that we have preached and continue to preach is you know once you assemble a set of 
skills for doing woodworking, it doesn't really matter what the project is. It doesn't matter if it's period or or not or or contemporary or however you want to go because those same skills get applied to every project. Absolutely. I mean, you know, you know, there's no better way to, you know, to, to keep honing those skills than to keep practicing. I mean, you know, it's just a matter of, you know, what kind of wood do you use? What kind of style do you build it? What kind of ornamentation? It's it's really just a variation on what you're doing. Right. I had a guy tell me one time and a guy sitting here next to me, he said, you know, all we really do is build a box, put a box on top of it, <laughs> slide a box inside it. <laughs> Pretty much what it is. How you decorate the outside is where the difference is. Except for that music stand, because it's got no boxes anywhere. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, if, if that music stand is built out of boxes, you, you're doing something wrong, Chuck. Yeah, you're missing some of the sides of the box, just so you're aware, Chuck, okay? <laughs> you guys are you're missing the point. It was built out of boxes. <laughs> oh, gotcha. <laughs> Corrugated cardboard. Yeah, so so you made the Estrick stand out of pallet wood? Yeah. <laughs> sure. <Who knew? laughs> well, if you looked at it, Tom, you would know. Oh, well, there you go. You see? <laughs> you I got to get out more, seriously. <laughs> When we first talked to you, Chuck, on, I don't know, it's got to be 40, 50 episodes ago, we were talking about projects that you wanted to build, and you had mentioned the the uh, the music stand. Yep. Uh, had you built it before that? Was this your first time building it, or is this just your first time really teaching it? No, well, this was the – I actually taught it uh, just the other week. We had a class in here, you know, a hands-on class, which mm-hmm. is something that we do – that's a little different than anybody else. You know, we're, uh, you know, we're holding classes here in our shop and people come in and they spend the week with us. And, uh, if you guys paid attention to the 360 blog, uh, we did get a few blog posts out showing the, the guys in the class that actually made, uh, some pretty kicking music stands while they were here. And the, the funny part is, we were we're we have so many things going on trying to produce the articles and and all of the other things that were you know we have a podcast that we put out twice mm-hmm. a week and all of this other stuff that we're doing and uh I got so far behind on getting started on it i got i really got started on the stand i guess about three days before the class started <laughs> again so, there's no minute like the last minute you know. Well, you know, it's just the you know the lot. There's a lot on our plate here and there. So it's but but it's fun. I mean, it, it beats working for a living. <laughs> I can that totally understand that. When you say that that way, it makes total sense. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, one of the things that we preach is that you know we're we're a pretty experienced couple of guys here, you know, as far as woodworking goes. And when you come to see things at 360 Woodworking, you're getting the benefit of that experience. And even though the music stand isn't something I've made before, it's actually, when you start to break it down into the individual parts, it's really not much different than, well, like the legs on the music stand are really not a whole lot different than the legs that are on a Chippendale trapezoidal seat chair. You know, they're still curved, got the same basic kind of a shape. I just didn't have to cut any square mortises through them. So, Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's a lot of the similar skills you developed. I mean, you just reapply in a new, in a new way. Sure. And that, and again, that's something that I I've preached for years is once you get that basic set of skills down and the 
the most important one of those is understanding wood, the structure of it and how to read the grain direction and all that kind of stuff. Once you understand that and how, when you apply a tool to it, the wood is going to react to that tool. It's all over. I mean, there isn't anything you can't do. Right. Right. You're not limited to a particular style. Uh, right. You can take those skills and build anything you want. Yep. Well, you can. I'm not sure about me yet. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, forget I'm, about me. <laughs> I'm busy building music stands out of pallet wood. <laughs> hey, that's a skill. Don't knock it. Okay. <laughs> you know what? An artisanal pallet wood music stand could probably pay a lot of bills. Well, yeah, possibly. You know, Escher gets a lot. I mean, well, he's no longer with us, but I mean, he gets a lot of. They get a lot of money for those these days. Oh, I'm oh, sure. Without a doubt. I mean, come on. You know, you know, with with any good artist, you know, once you're gone, I mean, your work goes up in value. Are you saying that like we got to die to be able to make a living at this? Well, pretty pretty much. Yeah, that's the way it works. <laughs> I think in the art world. <laughs> Think of the legacy your kids will have. <laughs> They'll be so proud of you. <laughs> Pardon me. <laughs> well, since we've got you on the topic of 360 woodworking, let, let's talk a little bit about the site. Let's talk a little bit about what you guys have going on. When last we met, this was the new venture. It was what you were planning on launching. How has the experience been? You know, it, it really has been about what we anticipated. Um, you know, we had a really good year, by the way, and uh, we just passed, the company just passed its one-year anniversary. Happy as birthday. As, thank you. Uh, as far as putting uh, information out and articles out, we have just this week, we'll start on our sixth issue, which is the last issue of the year. So we've got five of them uh, under the belt now and, and out to our members. And uh, you know the experience for the, throughout the year has been great. Uh, we've had a lot of a uh, lot of interest in what we're doing. We've got a lot of people signed up, and it's uh, was good for us because making it through the first year was the idea. We were just trying to figure out you know how to how to get things set up and where where we were going to head and how things were going to be divided up in the office and things like that. And throughout these past ten months of actually working, we've uh, we've streamlined our process a lot more we've got things laid out so we're getting a lot more done and a lot more out the door and mm -hmm. that's always been good and i think it's a i think it's a better product than oh yeah i mean you know if you guys go and look at issue number one and then you look at issue number five i really don't want to look at issue one frankly it's it's uh thanks <laughs> <laughs> hey i didn't say it was bad i'm just saying it's, it's five is a lot better and it's just um you know, it's we're starting to hone our craft of creating that group of articles mm -hmm. a little better. So not that, you know, not that we were again, not that we were putting out subpar articles. I just think we're getting better at it. It's like anything, you know, building, you know, building furniture or, you know, that last minute Christmas gift, you know, the more you do it, the better you're going to get at it. So absolutely has to be that the Yami's next window seat's going to be a lot better. <laughs> I'm willing to bet. It'll be a yeah. lot smaller. Um, well, what's been, what's been the biggest surprise for you this year in this, in this first year? I mean, what, what, what have you, what, what struck you this year? Oh, go, go ahead. Yeah. I was going to say for me, it was just the, 
the the support that we've gotten from from woodworkers all over. I mean, we went out and did the woodworking shows uh, January, February, and March this year, and you know, I seem to remember seeing Diami and the boys, but I'm pretty sure when we made it to Tampa, we didn't see you, Tom. Um, yeah, there was a little problem that weekend. I, I couldn't, I couldn't quite make it. It was a few issues that weekend. I had to attend to here at the hacienda. So, yeah. Hey, Tom. Tom, I had yeah. to go to Jersey to see them. Hey, you see that? I'm, I'm sorry. If the Omni made that sacrifice, I should have put everything on hold. <laughs> how was, um, how were the but, shows for you guys? Had you ever done something? I know, um, Chuck. I've seen you at various shows before back when you had sure. the Panther school, but how was it to really be on tour with them for the season? Uh, brutally exhausting, but uh, for I, sure. it was a lot of fun. Um, it, for me, it was an expanded version of what I did before. Uh, having done just a, about a third of the shows each year before now doing them all, it was great to get out and, and meet woodworkers all over the country. And like I said, the, the reception and the support that we got from people, they really liked what we were putting out. They signed up in droves, and, I mean, we were we were very happy being out there, just hanging out and talking woodworking with everybody. Oh, and that's the cool part. I mean, you think about every weekend we're out and talking to woodworkers about woodworking, and it's like you get a couple of wood butchers like us. I mean, we both <laughs> love that part. Yeah, <laughs> Being out there like that is is a blast, and you know it's it's like teaching a class. You know, all the times we've taught classes, I always tell people it's like there's never a time that comes that I don't learn something from somebody out there. And being able to talk to that many people, I mean, we got a lot of cool ideas, a lot of article ideas, a lot of techniques. That's like seriously, I never thought of doing it that way. So everybody's got a different take, and and that's one of the things that really enthuses me about woodworking. There's mm. there's there's always something to learn. You've never known it all. It's just uh, there's just a constant evolution. That's great. Now it's it's funny that you guys, you know, Chuck went that whole way talking about the shows and stuff. When you talk about something that really is uh, caught my attention, and I think it's Chuck's lack of work ethic that really <laughs> really surprised me this past year. <laughs> well, you know, we've known it about Chuck for years, but you know, now he's actually put it on display for everybody. So that's that's a good thing. I'm liking that. <laughs> When you were doing the show, I'm assuming you were also working on the first couple of issues, right? Because issue one came out just as the shows were starting? Yep. That's correct. So how did you manage to do that? Work on projects and write and edit and I can and appreciate travel and yeah. do the shows. And yeah. We're still not sure, but we're kind of hoping it doesn't happen again in 2016. <laughs> well, are you doing the shows again? Uh, yeah, probably yep. right now. I mean, the, the plan is right now that we're going to show up at all of them, the shows and and uh, we picked out a new project to kind of work on at the shows and and uh, do presentations based around. So okay. looks like 2016 we will back be out on the road again. And uh, as far as getting that stuff done, yeah, I mean, we would be out on the shows. We we generally would leave, you know, fly out on Thursday. We set up and do the show Friday, Saturday and Sunday, fly home Monday. We had Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday in the office or Tuesday and Wednesday in the office. Thursday, we wrapped up things and generally took off to the airport to start the next week. So yeah, it, was a, it was a lot of work. Yeah, that's a long, yeah, that's long, that's a long time to be on the road, yeah. Yeah, and the best thing about the woodworking shows is they actually have added a couple shows this year. So they've got, I think, two or three more shows that are on the venue. So 
it means instead of 13 weeks, we'll be out there for 15. <laughs> well, they had they pulled away from the West Coast, hadn't they? Are they going back to the West Coast? Well, we didn't do the West Coast swing. That started uh, in last year. It started in 2014 in August or October September. or something like that. Yeah, September. Oh, okay. Yeah, we actually joined then. The first one was the Baltimore show right after the turn of the year. Right, and okay. they they're not they didn't do a West Coast swing this fall, and I'm not really sure what their their plan is. I know at one point the owner had talked about alternating years, but some of that's all dependent on you know, what's going on with, you know, whether the crowds are willing to support the show. Right. Well, last year, at least for the one I went to in New Jersey that I go to every year, the, from my perspective, the cra- the attendance seemed to be up. Did, was it a good year for the show last year? Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, every week uh, talking with Bryce, the owner and other folks that were there uh, selling products and stuff. I mean, everybody seemed to be happy. I don't think there was, I think Detroit might have been the slowest of the shows, but I mean, well, the high that weekend was minus eleven. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I think uh, the woodworking shows. Bryce has done a great job because he's really focused on the education part of it, and it's it's uh, a lot more than what they were, you know, four, five, six years ago. No, he's absolutely done a done a good job since he took over. It's gotten better and better every year. Yeah, um, but. Enough about the woodworking shows. Let's get back to 360. <laughs> yeah, back to 360. So, yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about the website about about the website you guys have. What are people going to see when they when they sign up? Well, let, let's talk about that sign up process first. Yeah, let's do that. Let's do that because it's been a change, hasn't it? Yes. Yeah, we've gone through a, a really uh, a big change as far as we're concerned. Um, we have introduced two new levels. Um, we have a enthusiast level, which is. Uh, half the price of the fanatic fanatics are, you know, guy that's out there just beating himself into woodworking on a nonstop basis. And, uh, the, the big news probably for the majority of the woodworkers out there is we've instituted a free membership at this point and free membership is, uh, is out. Obviously it's free. <laughs> so, so the idea behind that is that twice a month we're releasing a full article uh, 100%, just like it was released earlier uh, to our members. And then every other week or twice a month also, we're doing a new video clip, which we're calling Triple T, which is instead of 360 with 360, which is our blog po- or our podcast, mm-hmm. the Triple T is going to be Triple T with 360 and its tools, tips, and techniques. Nice. All video-based. Does that replace the Saturday morning one whose name is, is escaping me now? Yeah, around, around the, the shop. Around the shop. Thank you. Um, yes and no. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to see Around the Shop return at some point here as just a longer audio podcast. Yeah. One, okay. of, the things, one of the things we ran into is, is a lot of people comment, hey, we really like your podcast. And, you know, I listen to them all the time. Could you guys do one that's a little longer? And, mm-hmm. you know, we've, we've kind of kicked it back and forth and, the idea of 360 with 360 was to just grab a topic, hit some nice tight things, have some fun with it, and then move on to the next one. So uh, Around the Shop is going to become more of a longer version podcast that uh, we pick a topic and kind of talk on it for 15 to 20 minutes as opposed to six minutes. So we have you know, to get to the funny thing is, Diami and I have been told to to do, do shorter podcasts. <laughs> We've been instructed, you know, we have to really do less. We have to stop being so verbal. So I, I'm not sure where that's going. You know, I, I'm not sure where we're going with that. I'm not sure that's driven by the by the content. 
Tom. Okay. Oh, okay. Maybe it's more of a host issue. <laughs> so, okay. So you've got the podcast now. Now, what else? What else? What else are people going to see? Now you get into that enthusiast level. Yeah. Well, the enthusiast level is essentially what we started with last year, uh, which was an article every week. Um, the project builds at the end. You're going to get all of that stuff. The difference is it's primarily it's online based only. Whereas the fanatic level and what the people have gotten for the last year is they get the interactive PDF downloads. Uh, we're also throwing in um, access to we have a members blog and members videos where we put up DVD length videos that. Uh, the fanatics can watch the enthusiasts aren't going to necessarily have access to that stuff, but they will get uh, discounts on like if, if they want to buy the DVD length video as a, as a streaming video that they can watch, they're going to get a discount off the regular price. Yeah, the enthusiast level is, is it's pretty much a um, it's the fanatic level, um, but without all the bells and whistles. Right. Yeah, okay. Same information, but not all the added add-ons that go with the higher level. Okay. Now, so, I, is there there is there any truth to the rumor that for the fanatic level, you're going to actually go to somebody's shop and give them a back rub while they work? Never. Oh, okay. <laughs> I just had to check. You have to take <laughs> one of the classes in their shop for the back rub, Tom. Oh, okay. if if Christy Blink Brinkley is doing woodworking, I'm more than happy to travel. <laughs> I, I will fall on the sword for three sixty <laughs> and go to her shop and rub her back. You know, you guys, I'll tell you, you guys are all right in my book. I'll tell you, you know, you'll, you'll go that extra mile for the customer. Well, one of the one of the great things about being a fanatic is, I mean, it's a hundred bucks a year. But like I said, we're going to be releasing very soon um, our 2016 hands on class schedule. And if you take a class as a fanatic, you get a hundred dollar discount on your on your class. Geez, it already pays for itself. That is great. Exactly. Tom, can we use that in a quote and hold our ads? <laughs> Tom, yes. Tom Iovino says, that's great. That's, 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 that, that pays for itself. Mm-hmm. Said Iggy the Shop Monkey. You know, you want to be able to credit it to the right source. That's right. <laughs> yes, yes. You want to well, be sure. So it has some kind of credibility. Well, yeah. I mean, it's actually somebody who actually knows what the heck they're doing in a shop. Um so, so, okay, so now we're talking like, you know, when you get to the fanatic level, you're actually getting more of that interactive type of DVD, uh, a PDF. You can actually uh, download it. You can take a look, break down your plans, things like that. And then, and then and you it, do and all it has the video embedded in it. So where okay. an article would have maybe have two or three short videos in there, uh, if you don't have Internet access in your shop for some reason – you could download the interactive DVD or inter- interactive PDF of the article and take it into your shop and play the video. So, oh, even better. So you can bring that with you. You can actually take a look at those full length uh, videos while you're and work along with them. Right. Well, you know, like we got to have something to do on the plane as we're going to all those different cities in the first three <laughs> months of the year. So, nothing better than sitting down and watching our own videos. Yeah, it's almost <laughs> as fun as listening to your own podcast. No, it's not. <laughs> it's, it's bad enough when we sit down to try and edit that stuff. You know, to have to listen to it and watch it two or three times until you 
to get it edited. And yes, we do edit the podcast and the videos. I know it may not look like it, but we do. <laughs> well, let's say, you know, the kind of freeform kind of thing, more of a gonzo type of, wood, type of woodworking approach, right? Well, you know, I, I heard somebody talking earlier about, you know, just get in there and basically wing it. And that's pretty much the, uh, the plan. Yeah, the, the expression is fake it till you make it. <laughs> no. and you with, can put quotes around that too, by the way. <laughs> with the, uh, the variety of projects you've come out with over the last year, um, as we tried to kind of mention before, it's not just what I think you guys have been known for in previous work at Popwood and at the Canthus Woodshop and what you guys have, have established a reputation for. But you've done um, different styles such as the Eshrick music stand and not even you guys but just included in the issues. Like in issue number three, you have that, that stacked laminated table um, that was really interesting use of that kind of lamination and sure. not something that I think people would typically associate with, with your brand. Um, with the issues that you've coming up, do you have any, any projects either that people would think you'd make or outside of what you'd make that you want to tease? Oh boy. Outside of our comfort zone. I'm yeah. sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Well, the, the, <laughs> the current, <laughs> the current plan and we're turning around and looking at our, at our, board. our, our, our board with a list of projects and, and articles on it. Um, I know for me, I have a mid-century modern coffee table coming up sometime in the next two or three issues uh, that's uh, a little different. So, and But I've also got some very, very traditional period furniture pieces that I'm going to do too because that is, what I, that is what I've done the most of. So, mm -hmm. you know, got to showcase that too. You want to build one where you're not three days ahead of your students. That's right. <laughs> I want to build one that, you know, I've already built 10, 20, 30 yeah. times and I'm pretty much way ahead. So, yes. So also coming up in the magazine is uh, is not not by us, but uh, we've got a, a friend of ours that's down in Tennessee and he does kitchens. We did an article with him uh, earlier in the issue number five. His name's Kevin Ritter. And uh, we've got a piece from him that's coming up that's a, a kitchen island that he made for a client using some very specific woods that the client had found in a barn. And it's okay. kind of a – he does an old style uh, – he's known really for his painted finishes and his projects are just uh, – they fit into the houses just perfectly. And he is a kitchen designer and builder and yep. uh, really interesting work. And he, he does a lot – with uh, reclaimed lumber, he originally worked with his father, uh, who built furniture all out of reclaimed lumber. Oh wow! So very cool stuff. And what else do we got on there that's a little off the wall? Well, contrary to popular belief, we're really not working like a year or so ahead. Uh, you know, we, <laughs> we probably lay out maybe two issues ahead, and I think one of the reasons. You know, we're, we always have some uh, adjustability, if you will, things that we can move in and out. Mm -hmm. And uh, if we come up with a, a neat article by somebody outside, you know, we, we don't want to pass it up or don't want to put it in a can and wait for it. We'll, uh, we'll slide some of our stuff around and put it out right away. 
And uh, I don't know, looking back there, I think the only thing I actually have listed right now is we have a class coming up, an online or on hand, a hands-on class that starts Monday, I guess, that uh, right. is a uh, Kentucky sugar chest with some neat inlay that we picked up to plan from down in Nesda. And uh, that's coming up, and I'm also going to do that for an article uh, in the in 360 as well. Now, are you able to take – well, let me backtrack. When you're teaching a class, do you end up building one also? Uh, yeah, for the most part. I mean, that's how I try to do it because um, it's a little different. I've got a I've got a sugar chest at home that I built a years ago that is very similar to the process and the project that we're getting ready to do. I'm going to bring that in so we have that to look at in the class. Mm-hmm. So this one, and even though I'm going to do it as an article, my thought process right now is I'm going to build one, and I'm going to build it as a type of salesman sample, and gear it down in size so it becomes okay. a smaller piece. So it's a, it's still being built. It still has the same project, same techniques, same things that have to be done, just on a little smaller scale. And it makes it a little bit more unique when at the end. Okay, Oops. and the one you build with the class will that end up being the one that is featured in the article? Or do you then have to build yet another one for the article? Yeah, well, most of the time, what happens when you're building with the class is that you really don't have the time to knock out the entire project. Okay. So you end up showing bits and pieces. Uh, one of the things, if you come take a class with me, I'm pretty much going to grab your piece and demonstrate on it and, uh, <laughs> and hand it back to you and say, okay, go ahead from here. So a lot of the work gets done and the class is not uh, – I, I wouldn't want to try to build one along with the class that was going to be an article because you just, you're going to miss so many of the steps you need. Okay. It also takes the focus off of what the guys are here for in the class, which is they're here to learn something. And one of the things that we really like is that interaction. And what I found having the Acanthus workshop before was if I tried to focus on building the same project and stay a step or two ahead, the guys or the folks attending the class tend not to ask me questions. Okay. When they run into a stumbling block because they think I'm busy building the piece. So, and, you know, the whole point is you're here to learn. And, I, you know, it's great to st- sit there and watch me build something. But it's so much better when I can look at what you're doing and say, hey, here's how you can improve that. Right, right. So you're more like a, a normal teacher would be, kind of floating around the room and teaching them a little bit from the front then going to see what people are doing and not really making your own so much as supervising everybody else. Yeah, and that's I, I still have probably a half a dozen or a dozen small projects from the Acanthus workshop that got started with classes and <laughs> they're about halfway to three quarters of the way finished. And, you know, sooner or later I'll get some time to finish those all off. Now, for- I doubt it. I seriously doubt it. <laughs> That's a precious commodity. For, for people who are interested in the classes there, your shop is down in the greater Cincinnati area. Is that right? Yeah, it's in Westchester, Ohio. We're uh, about uh, two exits north on I-75, just outside the 275 Beltway that goes around the city. Okay, okay. And h- how many people fit in the in the class? So these, you know, really intimate things. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, we have we have almost three thousand square feet of shop, so okay. theoretically, we could get a lot of people in here. But yeah. I don't think we want more than six or eight at the most. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I feel. One of the first classes that I taught, uh, well, I, 
it wasn't one of the first. It was the first at a new school that I taught at. I had 18 people in the class, and we were building a block front chest. And uh, it was it was a very hectic week of running and things. And the first time I went out to a campus to teach out with Chuck, you know, he had six people in the class, and it's like that's so much nicer. You know, mm-hmm. it's more intimate. You get more talk back and forth. You keep people on pace. You know, you don't have somebody that falls completely behind. And uh, I, I find it a lot more, uh, I hate to use the word relaxing, because when you're teaching a class like that, you're pretty much on all the time. But it is more relaxing to teach to, to 6 to 8 than it is to 15 or 18 or 20. Okay. And the the class schedule, you're going to announce that soon? That's not up for the next year, is it? It is not up yet, but it okay. will, should be relatively soon. Yeah. Excellent. Nice. Gotta like that. Now, you know, people, yeah, people come from around the country to your classes. I mean, is it something where you're seeing people from all over or is it primarily just the Ohio, Kentucky area? Um, No, we've had uh, people come from Virginia, from Pennsylvania, a guy outside D.C. We've got a guy that came up from Tennessee. Um, Yeah, there's guys coming in outside of Baltimore next mm -hmm. week. And uh, we've only had one or two people from the you know the greater cincinnati yeah, yeah. columbus car <clears throat> columbus corridor there yeah oh really yeah so, everybody else has been from all over well that's awesome so so when people you know these are primarily what week-long classes yep uh that's what they were in 2015 and 2016 we're setting up some weekend piece uh, classes and uh trying a, a couple different varieties to see what might catch and what might not Okay. Yep. So, so when you're doing like weekend classes, these would be you know smaller pieces. I mean, a little less complicated, or I mean, or or would they be kind of well, like you take several weekends in a row, or what? what what's well, the one process? Of the, well, one of the things that I had run at the Acanthus workshop was like I did a, a class, a weekend class called the Dovetail Blitz, where the students come in and on a Saturday and a Sunday we run through through cuts, uh, through dovetails and half blind dovetails. And you're basically just cutting a ton of them, and I'm running from person to person critiquing the techniques and helping you tweak the the process and just tune up your dovetails. Okay. So you're liable to see that on the on the the list for next year. I also did several levels of carving kind of things, so it'll be some skill stuff on the weekends. We're talking about some projects where we would break it down where you would have two or three, four weekends to build the project. Okay. That kind of thing. Okay. So a little harder for somebody to travel, say, from Los Angeles or something for three weekends for a class, but... Yeah. Instead of a week long, you build build something, a chair or something like that. Yeah. Right. But if you're a couple-hour drive, it makes it much easier to fit in sure. between work and not have to take a whole week off to do it. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's the other thing we're looking at is is the weekend class of possibly, Tom, you'd mentioned small projects, but having a, a three-day class, meaning, you know, a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday where somebody that wants to come in is only busting a day off of their vacation instead of sure. four or five and uh, working that way. So we could accomplish a little bit smaller project as well. I like the way you guys are thinking. You guys are thinking this through pretty well. <laughs> yeah, we're trying, you know. A little bit of experience goes a long way with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> a couple of wood yeah, well, you know, 
I was going to say, I did run that Acanthus workshop for uh, seven or eight years, you know? Yeah, I mean, it's not a little bit of experience because a long way. I mean, come on. I had the better ideas to straighten him out. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we move on to, I guess we'll call it 10 questions. Um, Glenn, you had mentioned about the website and how you have often have people asking about the website. So do you want to speak to the website specifically and just explain how it's set up to people? Sure, sure. Um, when you come into our website and take a look at it, we have a we have a uh, the uh, drop-down menus and bars across the top. And and where where this really came to our attention was we had somebody call in and, and, he, and he said, you know, I'd like to see what projects you've done. You know, outside of catching a blog now and again, I really haven't seen what you guys have produced this year, which – kind of floored me at first, but then I started looking around at it, and we have on our website complete access to all our past issues, and if you drop onto the main page and go under the, it says premium members, it drops down a menu that shows current issue, past issues, and when you click on those, it shows the covers of those issues and ultimately all the articles that are in it. Now, Mm -hmm. listing it under premium members, you know, somebody that's coming into the site to just see what we've done and how things work, that's probably a spot that they wouldn't necessarily think to go look at. Mm-hmm. So we've, we've got some stuff. Chuck does all our website stuff. So, you know, I come up with an idea and then I say, here, Chuck, you do it. And because I know nothing about. Coding and I tell, and all and I tell them you can't. And that's the way it goes. <laughs> that so works. That's a good plan. I'm, I'm, I'm liking this. <laughs> yeah. So, so you, can, you can get in and you can see all our stuff. And, and a while back, I guess it's been four or five months back. We set up that even if you're uh, not registered as a member, be it free or fanatic or enthusiast, you can actually come onto our site and you'll get a portion of the article. And what we've started doing is putting like the opening photo on it. And then there's a little bit of information about the project, you know, maybe the first three or four paragraphs, and then it disappears. So even coming in that way to our articles, you can see what we're doing, what we're writing about. Um, again, with no investment whatsoever. So, so as a, gives guys an answer. As someone who's not yet signed up for a membership, you mm-hmm. can go in, look at all the issues, look at the listings of all the articles that are in the issues, and then for any given article or as many articles as you want, see the actual beginning paragraph or so of the article to see what it's about. Sure, the, sure the, and it's sometimes it's usually as much as a page or a page and a half of the article, which includes the half page opening photo. So, okay. And so you click on any article and you're going to get, you're going to read, you know, a small portion of it. That's great. That, that should really let people come in and see what they're, what it is they're getting with the membership. Sure. Mm -hmm. And that's also why we instituted the free membership and, and are pushing articles out that way, because then you get the full flavor of what we're doing from start to finish. And even though it's a, it's a piece from our back issue, uh, area, it still is exactly what we're producing today for the new articles, except that, uh, you know, it gives you a flavor of what's going on as opposed to seeing the new stuff as it comes out. Right. Well, like two days ago, we not only introduced the new levels, but we also put out the first free article, which uh, is from issue one, and it is the Shager sewing table that Glenn made for that issue. And it's the complete article. You can go in there, you'll see the cut list and the the drawings that give you all the sizes, plus the entire build. In and it's free. All you have to do is sign up for the free membership. It's pretty simple. <laughs> I mean, so, we don't, so, we don't so what does it cost, Chuck? Number, but we'll take it if you want to give it to us. <laughs> 
Well, you mean the price is right. I mean, it, you know, at least to go in and just see, you know, you know, because for so many things, it's like, well, you can pay and then we'll let you see. And then you don't know if you're getting, you know, you're, you're buying the proverbial pig in the poke. You don't know what you're getting until you've already committed your money. You guys are laying it out there. And that, I mean, that's pretty wild. I mean, and, and knowing your reputations and knowing the quality of work you guys do, I mean, you should feel pretty confident that people are going to be signing up. Well, that, that's kind of the plan. I mean, we we want to we want to be able to share woodworking with you know as many people that are interested to come to the site and you know putting out the free thing. Yeah, sure. You know, our intentions are that you're going to get hooked, you're going to love it, and you're going to sign up for one of the memberships. But you know, if you don't and you're constantly and forever a free member, hey, that's great because you know we're still going to give the information out there and hopefully it it makes things better for anyone that comes to the site and takes a look. Gotta love Excellent. it. You got to love it. I'm telling you, you guys are marketing geniuses. <laughs> well, all we need you guys to do is spread it out to 10,000 of your closest friends and have them come take a look. <laughs> well, we're trying. Okay, we're trying. But I don't know if anybody – but I know for a fact that only my mom listens to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, Mom, if you're listening, 360 Woodworking. And that's it, 360woodworking.com, correct? She can – yes, 360woodworking.com and – uh, 360 is numer- numerals. It's not spelled out. Yes. And Although, if my mom signs up, what, what does she get? She gets like full access or what? If your mom signs up, we'll make her a fanatic. Awesome. <laughs> I'll let you know, okay? I'll let you know she's ready to sign up. <laughs> that's that's payback for all the years she had to deal with me. Um, about Tom? His mom's a fanatic. <laughs> <laughs> Who knew? <laughs> All right. Well, Diami, I guess it's time to kick off that segment that we, we know and love so well, the five questions. But it's going to be ten because we're times two. Absolutely. Outstanding. So, does that mean there's two of you or two of us? Well, there's two of us. We're two times two at this point. <laughs> I can't so count So it's 20 high. questions. So it's like, yeah, James, it's too many. We're not, we're not going to answer. We've already answered these questions. Um, okay. How do you guys get into woodworking? Glenn, let's start with you this time. How do I get my woodworking? How did you get into woodworking? Oh, how did I get into woodworking? Hey, that was easy. I grew up in a in a family that was in home construction, and I was uh, building uh, around the building industry all my life. And Dad decided that he wanted a hobby that wasn't home building, so he started doing woodworking. And I know it's a stretch, but he had all the tools when I was growing up. And uh, at the age of 13, I was in the shop. I was following Dad around all the time, and I was his shadow. I'm the middle kid, which is the most well-adjusted kid, which we all know for a fact. And, uh, yeah, that's why they give it that special name, Mal. <laughs> you know, Mal-adjusted. Uh-huh. Yes. But uh, that, that's really where it was. When Dad decided he wanted to become a woodworker, then uh, that was all I needed. I wanted to do it as well. And so, you know, I, I grew up in the area. I went to school, went to University of Cincinnati, uh, got my degrees, uh, planned everything to be in the business world. I wanted to be in the stocks and stock market. And uh, when I graduated, that wasn't uh, to be for me. So I grabbed my dad back out of retirement and said, let's build houses. And then got sick of hearing the or, uh, dealing with the, the cold winters and the snow and the sloppy springs and the mud and said, I'm getting into a shop and uh, decided to start building uh, furniture. Outstanding. So, yeah, built furniture, set it up in a thirteen by or a ten by ten uh, booth in my house, and uh, built furniture for it, and juried into my first show, and I was off and running. Wow, Chuck. Yes. 
How'd you get into woodworking, tough guy? Yeah, you got to repeat the question. Chuck's a little How did it went on so long, I forgot that we were even recording a show. How did Chuck get into woodworking? <laughs> uh, just sort of, I really, my first experience was in elementary school. I was in sixth grade, and they introduced the concept of clubs and I joined a woodworking club because I wanted to make a skateboard. And, you know, from there it was downhill. No, you didn't see that coming? That's funny. Did you make a skateboard? <laughs> and, you know, I just, I liked it so much that, uh, you know, I kept doing it uh, through junior high. And uh, when I got to high school, I decided that, it was something that uh, up until that point, I wanted to be a chemist and was headed in that direction, you know, in the sciences and uh, got into high school and decided, hey, you know, I'd like to do more of this woodworking thing. It's a lot of fun. So I jumped into my local vocational technical school where uh, Werner Drewer was my teacher and he beat us daily. <laughs> nice. As a good teacher. Have that kind of motivation. No, nah, he was a good guy, and he's oh, you know, he's still a good guy. So, did you ever make that skateboard, Chuck? No. <laughs> you should. I went right into period furniture, and at that point, I I realized like they had no skateboards in the 18th century. So <laughs> jerks. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Glenn, what is your favorite tool? My favorite tool. And Chuck doesn't count as the answer. <laughs> so much for that. Well, we've been talking to you guys too long. Already. Honestly, that wasn't what I was thinking, but, you know. <laughs> um, <sighs> you know, it, it started out with a table saw. I always said if you couldn't do it on a table saw, it wasn't worth doing. And uh, I know what his favorite tool is. Right now, I'd have to <laughs> say my favorite tool is a wide belt sander. Liar. <laughs> what do you think, Joe? I, I think it's his Shinto rasp. Oh, well, yeah, you know. <laughs> Chuck always gives yeah. me about my Shinto rasp. All right, well, the funny thing is, uh, you know, I, I subscribe to a, an online magazine called Small Boats Monthly. And this month... There, one of the articles in there is about the uh, the Shinto rasp. It is a phenomenal rasp. Great tool. It really. <laughs> I have is. I have the big one and the small one. They they're yep. fantastic. Yep, love the things. So apparently you I'm don't. Sorry, I can't talk to you guys anymore. Wow, you guys <laughs> you guys have got a lot going on. There's a lot of like issues that really run deep. Have you ever considered like couples counseling? <laughs> We're getting ready to start issue six. <laughs> Right, well, okay. Since Chuck knew Glenn's answer, Glenn, what's Chuck's favorite tool? <laughs> um, hmm. Jeez, I don't know if I can answer. <laughs> I don't really know what Chuck's favorite tool is. <laughs> show, remember, the show is PG thirteen, guys. Come on. <laughs> Chuck, what do you think? Well, what do I think my favorite tool is? Yeah. Oh boy. Um, See, he even can't give you an answer. <laughs> It, it would have to be, I I would think my Dead Tool Works coffin smoother. That's very similar to a Shinto rasp. I don't see what the big deal is. 
One's a real woodworking tool, and the other is a bunch Blade. of hacksaw blades. Yeah, you can make better curves with the rasp. There we go. <laughs> yeah. All, All right. right. Let's go back to Chuck. We're going to start with Chuck on this one. Who's influenced you the most? Who has influenced me the most? As a woodworker or as a human? As a woodworker. Okay. Question of human still debatable. <laughs> um, influenced me the most as a as a woodworker. It, I would have to say it's Warner uh, from high school. You know, he he gave me that group of foundational skills that really sort of carried me through my entire career. Nice, and Glenn. Uh, I'm going to have to just, I guess, you know, default to my father. Uh, Dad had the tools and kind of got me started and talked to me, uh, talked me into this. We later ended up uh, running a woodworking business and traveling the country together. And, you know, it was, it's got to be him for the most part. Never default to your dad. (laughs) No, definitely not. He was a big influence on what I did. And, Glenn, what was your biggest stumbling block, and could you have avoided it as you were learning to woodwork? Biggest stumbling block, yeah, you know, and I, yeah, this is a this is a good one because I think my biggest stumbling block was the fact that for the first decade, if you will, um, I worked by myself in the shop, and I tried to figure out how to do the things by looking at photos and stuff, and reading museum books and things like that. And what I found later on is, especially when I moved to the magazine and started working in there, is by working with people side by side, you can see things that you don't see when you're by yourself. So the biggest stumbling Mm. block for me was the fact that I worked by myself for the first half of my career. And uh, after that, I realized how valuable it is to have people to bounce ideas off of and, and see how they approach the same topic that I'm trying to struggle through. Let me ask you, for those of us who do work primarily by ourselves mm-hmm. and, um, and are doing this as a, ho- as a hobby and not joining a full-time staff somewhere, um, any suggestions for that kind of sharing and working together? Because I can appreciate the issues of working alone. Uh, we mm-hmm. do this so that we don't have to be alone. But right. for, for listeners, what, what would you suggest? 360 kind of- woodworking. <laughs> no. <laughs> No, I, I think that I think you know. If I go back, I'm going back to started this twenty something years ago, and and what you have in front of you and what you guys are doing today wasn't being done back then. You know, you didn't have the internet to talk to people. You didn't have ideas to share. There weren't woodworking forums to dig around in. And so I think today, you know, if you're working by yourself, then this whole idea of what's being shared, the videos, the online stuff everything that we've got available to us as woodworkers today kind of takes you out of that realm. And it puts it right there at your computer, right in front of you to, to read and gather in. And and even more than that, I don't, I don't think that the proliferation of woodworking clubs uh, was really going when either one of us got into this. I mean, it, it was hard to find that kind of stuff at all, but now there's clubs everywhere. And if you can, join one and participate, you're going to end up exchanging ideas even more. Absolutely. You know? and you might, yep. If you're down in Florida, you might even have Tom teach you how to sharpen. 
Oh, please stop. <laughs> no, please stop. Please no. stop. No, seriously, stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chuck, what was your biggest stumbling block? Oh, boy. Uh, I'm trying to think. The The biggest thing for me would have been my ambition for the types of projects that I wanted to do uh, very rapidly outpaced my ability to achieve them. Um, there were always things that I wanted to do that just kept me going forward. And I guess, you know, that was, I looked at that as a stumbling block just simply because, you know, I wanted to do this and I needed to do these 50 other things to get the skills honed up so that I could do that. So at some point though, starting and trying a project that's beyond your skill is how you learn. So you're just saying it was the stuff you wanted to do was, was so far beyond what you knew to do at the time that it became daunting to, to make up all those lessons. Sure. And it's, you know, it's also, it's also for me, part of it was I, I try and create reproductions of period furniture that, would sort of fit into a room full of antiques and couldn't be instantly identified as the reproduction in the room, which meant I needed to do an awful lot more study and put a lot more effort into making the piece look like the originals were than if I had just said, okay, I'm just going to build, you know, a high boy. Now I've just got to focus solely on the skill, developing the skills to make that high boy. But now I've thrown in that extra monkey wrench of trying to learn what the thing really looked like and how they made it in order to make mine look that way. And, you know, it's just, it, it was always, to me, the stumbling block was trying to make sure that the the carrot was still way out there in front. Okay. So Nice. Nice. <laughs> I like it. Okay, now I, I know Glenn, you kind of touched on this already, uh, but but I want you both of you guys to answer this. Um, how has the internet influenced your work? Anybody want to jump into that one? <laughs> he said Glenn first, and Glenn's pointing at me. Um, you guys can point at each other all night if you want. I mean, <laughs> it's, it's audio; you won't know. Seriously. <laughs> Uh, how's it influenced me? I, you know, I've I've picked up a uh, a lot of different stuff off the internet and off of woodworking and lurking around the forums and things. Um, I think for the most part, for me, it's probably giving me more ideas and more things to kind of strive for. Not necessarily picking up techniques because I have a lot of that in, but seeing how somebody else approaches it is, is uh, very beneficial. And uh, I think the idea that it just I see what's out there more, you know, there's more um, shown. So I have more ideas of what I want to do, more ways that I want to try to accomplish it. Okay, which was not a fantastic answer, but <laughs> it'll work pretty much there. And Chuck, and for me, I think it's uh, the idea that. I've been able to discover woodworkers like you guys and get to know you either in person or through the internet and exchange ideas that way. It's, um, you know, when you're, 
building this stuff for a living. And like I said, when we started, uh, there were no clubs really not, or not many anyway, <clears throat> the internet thing really wasn't a, a major player in this, this business. So when Glenn came to me, you know, 10 or 15 years ago and said, you know, Hey, there's a whole bunch of people out there doing this stuff. I said, get out. You got to be crazy. Um, because you know, we're busy building this stuff and you think it's a dying art and we're the, the number of people doing it is dwindling. And what the internet brought to me was it showed me that woodworking as an avocation is a thriving group of people. It's not going away anytime soon. Absolutely. Nice. Well put. And with that, <laughs> and with that gentlemen, and I use that term loosely. I hope so. We've come to the end of the podcast. I want to thank both of you guys. Glenn yeah. and Chuck. Yeah, and be, before we before we wrap this up, just let everyone know one more time, where can they find out more about 360 Woodworking? I was going to get to that, the army. <laughs> 360woodworking.com. Excellent. That's that's awesome. Now, you can, you, we're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, we're on Google+. Plus. We're, we got the whole thing going. The whole kit and caboodle, right? Yep. Well, well I don't know about the caboodle, but we got the kit. You got the kid. I got you. I totally understand. Now, Diami, there's something else that we have to tell we have to tell our listeners about. You're going to be on the November 5th episode of MakerCast. What's this all about? I am. MakerCast is a podcast put out by John uh, Berard, and it's about making. He's a machinist, and he talks to other machinists and welders and um, and woodworkers. Uh, I mean, relatively esteemed um, company. I know. Uh, Carly Eisenberg has been on, Kyle Toth. He he talks to people who make things both as a hobby and as a living. And um, so he's he's putting out a new issue on November 5th, and I will be the guest on that one. So uh, I'd ask everybody to check it out. The pod, the website is podcastformakers.com, and if you're looking it up in any podcatcher, you can find it under MakerCast. And just remember, if you can't heckle live, you can always heckle in the comments. <laughs> <laughs> and with that, that wraps up the show for today. If you're missing us already, you can subscribe to the show on iTunes. Just search for the Modern Woodworkers Association. Once you subscribe, you'll be sure to never miss another exciting, thrilling episode. And while you're in iTunes, please leave us a five-star rating. It helps our rank so others can more easily find us. If you want to find out more about the Modern Woodworkers Association, be sure to visit modernwoodworkersassociation.com. Follow the MWA on Twitter at MWA underscore national, like the MWA on Facebook, or circle Modern Woodworkers Association on Google+. While you're there, join the MWA Google Plus community for project sharing, discussion, and loads of woodworking banter. I'm Diami Plotke of penultimatewoodshop.com, and on the Twitters, I am at Diami Plotke. And I'm the resident shop monkey, Tom Iovino of tomsworkbench.com, and at tomsworkbench on Twitter. Until we talk to you again. We wish you all happy sawdust. Thanks for listening. Because we wanted to make it easy for you guys to visualize it when you talk. Oh, God. Oh, God. (laughs) Oh, dear God.
<laughs> That's pretty much what's going through my head right now. Yeah, don't turn around, Chuck. Yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> don't do that. 